So shear number one with a shear and a beer, or a beer and a shear, whatever you feel, but the, the focus is on shear first, then the beer. Okay, that sounds very good. And we're going to dedicate our learning to Rabbi, um, Rabbi Cohen's daughter, who's quite poorly at the moment. So Atara Bas Devora, um, who's in a complicated medical situation. The learning together should bring blessings for her and she should be able to come home for Shabbos and come home not to go back next week and just uh, the solution to the problem should be should be made. Also, oh and for Alan, yes Alan Winton, God knows his Hebrew name, I don't remember. Wait, Abram Shmuel, Ben? Fager, Fagel. It must be the Irish version, it's all fine. Um, obviously, he chose to be sure. And in honour of Alan, we're all going to be good boys. Uh, not you being a good boy, yes I'm being a good boy. So all those that need divine assistance for blessings of healing, all those who need blessings for healing should receive their blessings for healing. Um, and so let's begin. So it's there, there, there is no com- there is no community of Jews wherever you come from who will enjoy a, a shir on the Haggadah whilst drinking a beer. For sure, not during Pesach. Um, hummus, chickpeas, beans. Yes, at least half the population can enjoy that. But uh, a, beer, a beer in the Haggadah, not so much. I've been inspired recently, for those who follow my daily share and for the, your wife to come to the ladies' share for sure, by a Breslov of insp- um, inspirational character, Rabbi Shalom Arush. Um, he's a, a big, big rabbi in the Breslov community around the world. Those of you who have come across the Garden of Emunah, which is also was an international bestseller translated into so many different languages, puts forward a philosophy just for for doing my due diligence and for, for truth's sake. When it comes to matters of philosophy in Judaism, often, other than belief in God, um, lots of things are debated and contentious issues. So that there are really two ways of understanding divine providence. Either absolutely everything, down to the tiniest level in our lives, is, is divine providence, is under the watchful eye of Hashem, and the leaf falling off the tree onto your shoe was the, the will of Hashem, whatever that means or why that would mean something. And other group of scholars say, no, that's not true. That may be true of really holy people, but us plebs, or me and you guys, uh, would be, no, the general, no, that's not for us. Maybe the big things in life, but not the, the leaf falling off the tree or the small details. It really is a big, a big split. Rabbi Shalom Arish, being a Hasidic wrestler and Hasidic follower, um, is taking this first approach. That absolutely everything is from Hashem. That's point number one. That's emunah. So emunah, belief in God, is that everything is divine divinely ordained, and that it's for our very best. Not that we accept it and go, oh well, but it's, it's for that, and that's, that's the challenge. That is, that is the, the religious challenge in life, is to live that. He has here on his Haggadah, which I just received last week, a beautiful essay, which we're not going to give the whole essay, because that will definitely take longer than the time I have, but a masterful understanding of the mitzvah of Marah. And he, you know, he, he asked the obvious question, what are we doing on Seder night? eating Mara, when so many other aspects of Seder night are you're free, your royalty, you're, you put all your nice vessels out, you're meant to sit there like a free person, why are we blending bitterness and misery on a night when we're supposed to be free? And that famous teaching that we all get excited about, because we're going to eat, Rabbi Gamliel says those three things that we're meant to talk about, to say, meant to say, meant to meditate, meant to focus on, and if you're going to do yourselves a favour, you can definitely go very quickly uh, maybe you do, but if you don't, then you go very quick with Rumanish Tana, Avdemayunu, the four sons. All of that is preamble to the Haggadah. None of that is worthy of deliberation. It's, it's, just, it's just 
introduction, get to the main bit, which are those Sukkim, which bizarrely everyone says that's the boring bit, which is the main bit, and get to Rabbi Gamriel's bit and spend some time thinking about the meaning of these three concepts. But at least in the, in the, in the laws of the Pesach sacrifice, which many years ago when I was doing a three-week stint at a Catholic school to get a teacher qualification, this Catholic girl turns around and says, Rabbi, and then she called me Father first, and I corrected her. It's quite cute. She goes, do you still slaughter the sheep? So I said, no, we don't slaughter the sheep for Passover anymore. And she was very relieved. Then she asked, what, what do I give up for Lent? And I said, I don't, we don't do Lent. And then she was very jealous. So two very interesting emotions came from this, this young teenager trying to make sense of me. And the, I mean, the only other person in the building with a kippah on the head was the Pope. So she was a bit confused why I was doing that uh, with my head covered. But, you know, but the, the laws of Karim Pesach, as explained by the Sefer Chinuch, you're not allowed, you have to roast it. Why roasting rather than boiling? Boiling breaks down the food, it separates it. Poor people boil their food. Ashkenazi cholent. Yeah, it's poor food. You put some meat and vegetables and liquids, suddenly you've got a soup, you've got broken down food. You, you, make, you make more food out of it. Roasting, the liquids come out, the food shrinks. You can only do that if you've got enough food for the next meal. You're, you're taking the food away. You're not, you're not allowed to break the bones of the carbon Pesach. Because when you're doing it, you're fussy like, like a poor person who doesn't have food. You can't leave it over to the next day because of a safer chinuch before they had fridges and freezers, middle ages. If you were poor, you would leave food over because you wouldn't know if you're going to get it the next day. If you're wealthy, if you're nobility, if you're, you're emancipated and you're rich, you, you know you're going to have food the next day. So, so much of Seder night is to do with freedom. Where does Mara come into it? Why are we bringing that in? And then even more so, it gets even more complicated, we make a bracha on it. So, if you take Mara, not just the, the lettuce or the horseradish, but as a concept. So Mara, literally the bitterness, understood on a more metaphorical level, we are being, the bracha isn't, al-achilas Mara, eating Mara, but it's vetsivonu. There's a commandment to eat Mara, which taken as a met, on the metaphor level, we are commanded to experience bitterness in our lives, that is exactly how we have to live our lives. So bitterness of whatever type, and everyone's got a different bitterness scale depending on their ability to deal with stuff. Some people losing their phone is the greatest catastrophe for others, it's something different. But when he says here, the Vetsivanu turns the whole thing on its head. It's not just enough that we ask the question, what is bitterness got to do with the night of freedom? But we're making a bracha on something that suggests to us philosophically that, com- that, com- that com- complications in life are absolutely part of the journey we're going to have through life. It gets worse when the Gemara says, for example, Shechayev Adam, a person is obligated, Levarich Ahara'a B'Simcha. You've got to make a blessing on bad, B'Simcha, with joy. Now, on a personal level, and I don't want you to go, ah, I'm full sorry. For me, the hardest bracha I ever said, I thought when my dad passed away, Saying die on her MS at the at the Levaya for the Shiva was for the Levaya was complicated enough because you can say the words the words are easy to say but to, to connect the words with, to really feel at that moment that I'm blessing God for being a judge of truth was complicated and then for myself it was a whole new level and I, I stood there and I didn't just say it it took me a while and I tried to hope I I did justice to the blessing but it's a complicated issue the Levaya b'simcha to do it but with joy that's really you no know, we can put up with it we can. We can connect with it's what God wants and Gamzula Tova and all those types of religious pithy sayings that makes you sound very religious. You can do the, you can be the Baruch Hashem fellow. They're like no, it's all that's that type of. But how do you do it? B'simcha. Oh, the Halacha says Chayav Adam. It's Derek's so different pronunciation for 
אחינו בני ספרד. חייב אדם, the person is obligated, לברך על הרעה בדעת שלמה ובנפש חפצה. You've got to have a wholesome mind, you've got to be compass mentors, can't be deranged in the moment. And your soul has to desire to want to say this particular blessing. Just like we, just like we do on the good. Which puts us in a very complicated emotional place. Now there's a level of emunah, says Rav Arash. Which, it sounds impressive, but he'll go on to say it's not. So the first level of emunah would be, I accept it. It's all from God. I believe what God's doing is directed for me. It's for the very best. And I accept it. I don't really want it. But now that it's here... I'm accepting it and I'm and for most people that would be like oh, could be, I'm, I'm in the first line of heaven whenever I get there I'm, I'm very religious I haven't cursed God I'm not Mrs. Job from the book of Eob from Mrs. Job her, her one line if you ever get to audition for the book of Job and you fancy cross-dressing to be Mrs. Job forget it on many levels but just for one level she only has one line in the whole book you know curse God and be done with it you know Job darling husband you curse him God will bump you off and you can forget the misery That's not the approach that we're meant to. We're meant to say, not that it's, I'm accepting it, but I wouldn't want it, but I'm commanded to eat maras. I want mara in my life. And, that's our, and this is the meditation on mara. We have to desire bitterness in our life. Why? Remember, it's part of a philosophy that says absolutely everything is divine. If you reject that, then for sure you don't want bitterness in your life, because that could be random. But if you are living within a philosophy that says everything is from God to the tiniest detail, then I should want this experience of Maroi in my life because ultimately it's going to bring me to the place where I have to get to to fulfill my purpose in life. So there's the philosophy that says everything is from God. There's the philosophy that says everyone has a unique purpose that only us, we as individuals can fulfill. And bitterness... which is part of life, this metaphor, vetsivanu, there has to be maror in life. Running away from that means you'll never ever fulfill the purpose for which you were created. You're never going to achieve what you need to achieve. So now you have to want, to have, want it to happen and bring, make that as part of your life. Hayesod, the foundation, is is perfect faith, which is that God loves all of us. And he only wants our goodness. As we say in the book of Eicha, from the mouth of the Most High, bad stuff doesn't come. That's a very, very loaded, complicated idea that we could probably spend literally hours debating this concept. It's actually said, I teach this in school. It was said by a Christian guy called St. Augustine of Hippo. They're one of the leading Christian theologists who also argued on this whole issue of good and God and evil and the whole problem of that. So there, is no, there is no evil, which seems ridiculous. That how can you stand in Auschwitz, see one and a half million children, and say there is, no, there is no evil? So it's a very complicated philosophy to really dig down, no, to, to really unpack in its fullest sense. And we're not going to do justice to it right now. But within this rubric of saying everything comes from God, and therefore God is goodness, unquantifiable goodness, and it's all... picked for us for our particular purpose in life therefore if you don't understand this really and really live this concept you can't go anywhere at all in life and therefore he says that when we say the bracha on the marah the meditation that should be in our mind is not 
is the horseradish going to make my nostrils flare up? Am I going to enjoy it? And we all go through that. Just in parentheses, I think I'm a generally quite a reasonable type of fellow. But when I get to Korach, I can't. My mind wanders every year. I think if my if my colleagues from school would see me right now. Okay, they could also look into our stomachs and the two cups of wine, tons of matzah, mara. Then we get this sandwich together and bits are flying in the air. We're going to scoff it down in four minutes whilst leaning and it's around midnight. They would think, we're just, but hey, that's another, another, for another time. But we're eating this mara as we're thinking about the meaning of it, not just to connect back to Egypt and the bitterness and to, to recognize that the good times happened only because of the bad times. But in modern day, say the night is about experiencing freedom by taking from the different rituals of Seder night and asking ourselves, how can this make sense to me? How can I emancipate myself from? We could go around the room. You know, I'm, I'm, what do my neighbours think? What do my colleagues at work think? What do my children think? We're all slaves to public opinion on some level and slaves to fashion and slaves to our devices and slaves. You know, we, we, can, we can easily you know, branch out to it to understand that. So someone who says, I don't want this path. I don't want this life that has difficulties. It's never going to get anywhere. And therefore the conclusion is that we have to desire. And this is the big chiddush, the novelty in his teaching, is that we have to desire the struggles in life and embrace, not just to accept it as the will of God and therefore it's good, but to actively yearn for it as part of recognizing that without the struggles, which are part of life, are guaranteed 100%, we're never going to be able to fulfill our particular purpose in life. That is the challenge I'm setting all everyone here to try and meditate on that and to explain. Remember, we get in there, we're giving our kids, our family, our, ourselves even, hopefully on Saturday night, the tools to deal with life. Now looking back, and, and yeah, I, I see my own children who, who have questions and struggles and they, they have meltdowns because I think I haven't given them those tools. Now, so Saturday night, we'll try again. They can always try again. So now, please God, we can try and give over these, these moments where when we have those inevitable bitter moments, we are stronger in ourselves. Obviously, if it's too overwhelming, you need to get professional help, get professional help, for sure. But if you can, we can give ourselves the tools to recognize it comes from the loving God and it's part of our journey that's ultimately the very best for us. We should desire those. You can even dub them for it. You can ask Hashem, please send me those difficult moments so I can then get on my journey and be successful because nobody wants to come back again. So we want, to get, we want to do our journey and get to the destination and check out. And that's the goal. So we should always, please God, we'll be successful in communicating these beautiful ideas to ourselves and to our loved ones. And it should be a year of redemption, which means not just from Egypt, but redemption from all from the, from the struggles and the difficulties and ill health, whatever people are facing. Should we really see us amidst strive from all the mates, sarim, all those things that keep us closed and, and, and restrained. We should have redemption in all our lives. Amen. Amen.